am Orlando Jones, and I just want you to know that the Moana Nui podcast will be starting soon. Stay tuned, yo. I'm Veronica Taylor. I'm from myself and Ash Ketchum. I just want to say, Moana Nui, I choose you. Aloha my kako everyone. Welcome to tonight's episode of the Moana Nui podcast. It is Thursday, July 20th, and today we are proud to continue our professional development series with Sue Ann Hong and the Center for Asian Pacific American Women. Tonight's topic is the topic of negotiation skills and who could not use help in this area. Uh, regardless of whether you are navigating your career or your personal life, buying a new car, trying to advocate for yourself for a new job, getting a raise, whatever your needs might be. Maybe it's even trying to negotiate with your kids to clean their room. Um, everyone could leverage negotiation skills um, to further themselves um, and those around them. So I'm excited to bring this topic tonight. We have wonderful guests as usual. Um, and I will go ahead and introduce them shortly. Uh, tonight, it will just be Dana and I. Dana has a, a, a commitment tonight. So you have me and Sue Ann and our wonderful ladies. Um, let's see. First of all, for those who don't know Sue Ann, Sue Ann is the CEO of the Center for Asian Pacific uh, American Women, and it is the premier uh, institute for training, mentoring, and coaching Asian Pacific American women leaders. And I'm honored to be a part of this year's cohort. Been learning so much um, in the program. So lots of gratitude to Sue Ann for what she does and the wonderful guests that she brings onto our show to share their expertise uh, with all of us. And then I will now introduce our panelists. We have two powerful leading ladies tonight. Uh, the first is Roz Wong. She's the co-founder and CEO of Athena. Um, sorry, guys, my computer's acting up. Uh, a CEO of Athena Music and Wellness and the founder and CEO of Dandelion Global LLC. Let's see. Sorry, guys. Um, Roz is an experienced, innovative, multicultural CEO board director who is well-versed in global fintech, health tech, energy, natural resources, and cross-border market solutions. She is an accomplished U.S.-based minority field minority female business leader who has 20 plus years of success in investment, business curation, and a rooted understanding of the business cultures and resources between the U.S. and Asia-Pacific. She is known as an influential women business leader who puts love and humanity into each of her projects. In 2018, she co-founded Athena Music and Wellness, a digital mental health care and wellness solutions provider, a unique global platform using the power of science-based music, wellness, telehealth, and education to improve patient experience and corporate mental health solutions needs. Raz is passionate uh, is a passionate voice about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her mission is to continue to inspire others to build an inclusive culture in business and life. She's also a board director to App Aptech Corp, Intiva Health Corp, 
Alzheimer's Association in Georgia, the University of California, Irvine, Paul Mirage Business School, Beale Center of Innovation and, and Entrepreneurship. She also has a philanthropic venture as the co-founder and chairwoman of the International Music and Wellness Council, a 501 nonprofit organization that provides mental wellness programs, life care therapy to help adults and children in foster homes, trafficking victims, and their caregivers since 2019. Wow, what an accomplished career. Can't wait to hear from Roz. Our second guest is Sharmila. She is the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Echo Global Logistics, a leading provider of technology-enabled transportation and supply chain management services headquartered in Chicago. She is working closely in collaboration with the executive team and senior leadership to implement key DEI initiatives across the company for the benefit of multiple stakeholders. Prior to joining Echo, Sharmila worked at McDonald's Corporation in the global diversity, equity, and inclusion, and in multicultural marketing. Throughout her career, she has presented at no numerous conferences and authored several thought leadership reports and articles on DEI and inclusive marketing. Sharmila also holds a certificate in DEI from USF's Muma College of Business an MBA in Marketing and Strategic Planning from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, and a Bachelor of Arts in Computer Science and Math from the University of Rochester. She's also a Master Certified Professional Coach, a Qualified Administrator for the Intercultural Development Inventory, and serves on numerous nonprofit boards. So let me bring all of these wonderful ladies up to join me here tonight. And really, I want to thank them for being a part of our show. Hello. 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 <laughs> it's great to be here. And Moana, I'm so grateful for you and Dana for providing this platform. It's an incredible way to share our gifts with all of our audience. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, first of all, you know, everyone, I just want to tell you the best panels and the best conversations are with friends. And uh, I would say that Roz and Shamala, we've all become friends. I've become friends with both of them, these incredible, incredible women. I just wait to be inspired tonight. That's all I can say. So with that, let me first start by asking, you know, each of our panelists, you heard the, the resume part. But we like to know about them as a person, right? So I like to know, can you share your background, your heritage, a little bit about your family and just kind of, you know, who you are? And so if we could start with Roz, that would be great. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited about tonight, actually, so much. So I came from China uh, exactly 36 years ago as a student and uh, by all means after all this year in America is always a different kind of uh, ventures uh, successfully launched an IPO one and uh, I'm the second in the family we have four girls and I'm the second and uh, one of the fun facts about me is that um, I always dream funny things. So even when I was in college, my professor asked, what is your dream, you know, in America you want to be? I said, I want to have a, my company sign on the top of the building. 
And when I say this to my kids, they were laughing about this. So I think that's a part of the cultural gap, generation gap for us as a, uh, a student come to United States. Our dream is like, you know, we have our company and we want to retire back to China. But I don't think that is a reality anymore. So anyway, that's just a little bit of fun fact. Well, you may be number two, but you certainly are number one in, you know, what you're doing. This is incredible. And I can't wait for you guys to hear more about Roz and the companies that she's built. Just absolutely inspiring. So Sharmila, can you share with our audience a little bit about you? Sure. Hi, everyone. I am um, Sharmila Fowler Poss. I was born in New Delhi, India, uh, came to this country with my parents uh, when I was two years old. And um, we grew up in an area, my father was a professor and somehow the university offered professor housing at that time. And so I kind of grew up with uh, people from all over the world and which was really um, crucial for me because I developed that sort of level of curiosity where I was always asking people about where they were from and learning about their own backgrounds and cultures and wanting to learn different languages and really, you know, trying foods and so forth. And it was a really enriching um, experience um, growing up like that. Um, it sort of fast forward, it kind of helped propel my interest in the career that I developed where I did a lot of work around global business development. I ended up in multicultural marketing and now in diversity, um, equity and inclusion and kind of that common theme about, you know, wanting to learn about people um, and cultures different than me. So that's kind of what I've held throughout my life and it stays with me. And um, it's, it's been pretty interesting. Um, well, both of you, it's interesting that you kind of had this vision early on like childhood, like you had some type of a vision about kind of where you wanted to go, which is very interesting because not all of us had that. I know I didn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you guys had vision, you know, all I knew. Yeah. I just wanted to travel. That was it to all different countries. <laughs> that was my big vision. <laughs> Absolutely. Roz, you've had such a, uh, you have so many different interests and in businesses. Can you share with our audience kind of your journey in your career? How did you end up with all these different avenues of your career? <laughs> Thank you. So I graduated with my MBA degree and I still remember my first job was working at MCI Telecom. And uh, that was a, a great start uh, because that kind of gave me an opportunity to understand how the corporate work, uh, how the, uh, you know, the cultural, actually I was working as assistant director as a multi language call center that actually MCI with AT&T and a commercial accounts and et cetera. Long story short. So my first uh, entrepreneurs are uh, my first own company is an IT staffing company. So we actually as a vendor to Oracle, DB, uh, Oracle, Sybase and Informex, we actually provides our Oracle DBA to financial and insurance industry. So was fortunate enough that we're serving Dow Jones, AIG, Deutsche Bank, and et cetera. And that was in 20, uh, 2001, I had my first exit. So uh, from that forward, I realized that my expertise as cross-border strategy, that would be really a value uh, to company here in the United States. So from that on, then the Line Global launched uh, 2003. 
So ever since we help uh, technology and biotech company for their global strategy, M&A and uh, investor relations. 2018, I really real, I realized that mental health is, these are before pandemic started. I realized uh, mental health is something that has a big hole. So, but my goal is how could we use therapeutic music and technology, combination of these two to provide a uh, solutions for our mental well-being. So currently we're not going to work. We uh, develop a web app that currently using in senior living universities and enterprise for employees uh, well-being as well as for ind individuals. So uh, I'm very passionate about DNI as well. As you know, for all these years living in America, I fully understood how important it is that's uh, for the equity. So I'm a board director of a Nasdaq trade company, AppTech, and I'm on their compensation and uh, governance committee. It's really giving me an opportunity as the only female and not to mention uh, minority board director on their board and uh, giving me another opportunity as a board director on Alzheimer's Association. They actually given me an opportunity to really see how could we help for people carry the disease with dementias. So uh, that is my short journey, <laughs> but certainly it's, uh, it's a lot of sweat, a lot of bumpy road behind, and I hope that we can all together to help our, our generation to come less uh, helping them to you know to get a more smooth journey if we could well yeah. the first of all the fact that you know you you're you have a vision obviously of what is possible but i always, i always find it interesting that you you're able to take the risk and not all asian women uh, and i'm not trying to you know stereotype or anything but it's there usually there's a lot of conservatism I think, and to be able to take risks and to start your own company, to start moving in a direction that, you know, technology, digital space with, you know, mental health. I think those are very interesting things. One other question I have for you is why dandelion? Why is it called that? <laughs> Great questions. And, uh, you know, dandelion compared to roses, they just like, uh, it's like not so much attention to anybody. It's like a very humble and plain grass. But when the wind blow, it fly. It can fly in between a rock. It can fly to landing in somewhere that we don't even notice, but it will grow again. And I wow. always think of myself, uh, it's like a dandelion. You know, I never thought I, I would live in America this long. I thought that after study, I back to China. <laughs> but uh, That's pretty yeah. symbolic though. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Shamala, tell yeah. us about your career journey because that hasn't been linear either. No, it, um, it's been sort of this offshoot. I keep going in like these little offshoots, right, where I find something I like and then I kind of move in that direction. But, um, you know, I started off, my undergraduate was computer science and math, but I always knew that I was never going to be on the very technical side. So my first job out of college was at IBM in sales and really loved that. But I was trying to figure out who was making those decisions 
as to what software we were really putting, you know, kind of trying to stress for that month or, you know, kind of um, sell to our clients because there was always some special deal, right? And it was the marketing group. And so that kind of led me to getting an MBA in marketing. Um, but from there, I sort of pulled in sort of my interest in this whole notion of, you know, kind of working globally and um, worked at a large packaging manufacturer, Sunoco Products Company, where I did a ton of work in the global space. So, um, so it's kind of now I got my feet wet working with, you know, um, pretty much all of our business units around the world. That was super interesting. Got into sort of how we were going to grow um, into new markets in Asia and Latin America, um, working with potential joint venture partners and so forth. Very, very cool stuff. Um, and and then I, I had kids. And as much as I wanted to travel globally, I also didn't want to, right? So it's sort of, you know, you feel trying to balance all this. Um, that's when I kind of looked around and I'm like, wow, all of these cultures are here in the United States, right? And so that led me into this whole trajectory of multicultural marketing and um, helping clients connect with those different multicultural segments to just grow their own businesses. And um, I worked in many research and consulting firms that were kind of focused in this area. Um, and that ultimately led me to um, getting into McDonald's and leading their Asian American marketing efforts. So for the US marketing group, right? And so um, loved doing that. It was um, just very um, fulfilling, rewarding, very fun. Um, and then I had the opportunity to get into McDonald's Global Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Group. And so do you see how just sort of like I took marketing, went into multicultural marketing and then got into sort of that, um, you know, multicultural. When you do multicultural marketing, you are looking at consumers as your stakeholders. Right. But that in the world of DEI, they're one of the stakeholders giving getting me into sort of that whole global DEI. I worked with employees um, as well. Right. And then um, we were starting to get into suppliers and and obviously community. And so it's just broadening that whole scope. Um, and then I had the opportunity to um, lead DEI at Echo. So, um, again, keeping that broad, holistic scope there. I love that. Amazing. And again, just a pattern of basically the non-pattern of these two amazing individuals and their career path. So, you know, our tonight's topic is all about negotiation. So why do you think it's so hard for Asian American women negotiate for themselves, especially because I find it it's easier if I'm advocating for somebody else or some other entity or organization but for some reason, I've always felt it much more difficult to advocate for myself. What do you guys think that is? Let's start with Sharmila this time. I, I think it's societal norms. It's how we were raised, you know, especially by our immigrant parents. And, um, and it's really not um, really talking that much about yourself, right? I mean, you're doing for others. So I think it's it's just those stereotypes that are specially pronounced 
with Asian Americans. I mean, uh, I think the other thing is, you know, that whole notion of harmony and not rocking the boat. Um, and we we're taught to respect authority. So if someone, you know, usually you're negotiating with someone who's in a position that can make those decisions, you know, that you're asking for. And so it's typically someone at a higher level. And I think all of that really help, uh, you know, kind of plays a role um, in that. But, you know, we're just not asked. I think we appear too assertive if we're asking for things. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there, this, there's a lot to unpack with this uh, particular question, but the stereotyping is a huge piece of it and the messaging for sure that we're receiving from our parents and others culturally. Roz, why do you think it's so hard for us? Well, I think most people are internalized uh, what they have been told, that who they are, and uh, what they should act and what they should want. So we don't, by when we're little, then we, we, uh, we don't realize how strong the influence when we grown up that, you know, an impact on when making our decision. So that not just uh, for Asian or for anybody, just like that. But then especially for women that we are, you know, that inhibited our ability to make the right decision. And then we, we are socialized as a nurturer, a caregiver. So we always think of for others and think of it's okay that we negotiate on behalf of others, like our children, our, our family. And, but then when they get to the point to advocate for themselves, they feel that, oh, I should not be promoting myself. So that kind of like the, the uh, in my opinion, that kind of like that's how we uh, brought up that we are shy away to promote ourselves. And that's one of the things as a female uh, business owner, uh, I would say for professionals is in the, in the corporate environments for small business, we always need to be very conscious about the how do we negotiate on behalf and for the best for our company as well as for ourselves. Uh, so kind of like an extra steps that we need to do. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask a follow-up question to this, and that has to do with, you know, value. So one of the things that, um, you know, research tells us is that when Asian women want to go for a promotion, we have to hit like every checklist before we feel like we might be qualified. But for a Caucasian man, it's like maybe like half the list. And they're like, yes, I qualify. You know, so how do you, how did you break out of this uh, whole notion of the good enough? Am I good enough? Or the imposter syndrome? Like, how did you break out of that? You want me to... Yeah, go ahead, Shamala. I, I mean, I think a lot of it is you have to make sure you're building that confidence, right, in in yourself. And um, and I know it, it is true about women, you know, looking at every single um, bullet item and saying, "Well, that one bullet I I can't meet, so I'm not I'm not even going to go for it." But you know, if you can um, just get past that, and I think it's it's really trying to what, what I try to do is keep track of all my small small wins and and so I can start to look at that and every time you look at that and you read it you're like oh my god you start to build confidence right and it's just even a private list that you keep for yourself but 
you know, there's ways to spin it so that you can, you know, kind of when you're talking about what you've done, um, you can kind of cover on a broad brush some, you know, some of those bullet items as you're trying to negotiate for additional, um, uh, you know, either additional uh, projects or um, new um, or promotion. Yeah, absolutely. Roz, how did you break through the barrier? I think are uh, uh, in in our career in in all stages uh, how we should disrupt the um, the negative self talk, but to turn on the the inner voice of the positive uh, self care, self positive confidence, and in that way you turn around to channel to a better outcome. So, I always encourage my student and all these are business owner that. They actually every day give themselves about like a couple of minutes to do their morning affirmation. Because sometimes if we don't pay attention, it slowly will get buried into it. So what I try to say is that they need to feel self-confident and self-awareness because that way they will turn the narrative around. They will have the positive inner voice to tell them it's okay. It's a time for me to shine. And that's very important. Doesn't matter for your relationship, for your career, for your family, or for your future, actually. Sometimes we're, so we stay home, raise kids, then business, also we do business, leave the kids to babysitter. It's always the struggle, but how do we like, keep ourselves in tune and straight on the road that we're going to do? So that's yeah. absolutely I, true. Can I add something to that? Because yeah. I think you said something really great, Roz, about the self awareness. And I think by, you know, understanding what your strengths are. And I'm a big fan of like strengths finders by Gallup, but there's a lot of ways to understand your strengths, but really then continuing to play to your strengths will help build that confidence as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So let me ask each of you this. Can you give a specific example of where you negotiated something on your, on your own behalf? And tell me how did what did you say, and how did it go, and what was the result? Because I think sometimes we have to hear the words, you know, to make sense of like, okay, like, tell me, like, what does that even sound like to negotiate for yourself? So, Roz, like, what would that? Can you give us an example of where you did that? Okay, so at the very beginning, when I launched my first business, IT consultant. IT consultant, where I talk about those big players like Anderson Consultant, their consultant billing rate is $450 an hour back in 1996. So I remember my first consultant, he was my consultant, but I placed him to work at Deutsche Bank. I think all my saving put it together is his salary. So when I brought this consultant, this, this order, it was like this. I was sitting down uh, through, our, through a relationship. I went to Deutsche Bank, sit down and say, okay, so your firm was referred to a very reputable uh, source. And then, so tell me where you get came there. So I said, oh, you know, where consulting will provide that, that, that do, my, do my pitch. And in the end I said, okay, just, just, just give me the resume, <laughs> see people they like. And I said, no, I, I think this is definitely one resume that I bought. I didn't know by uh, bring with me uh, 10 resume, only one. And I believe he can take your job well. And then he was uh, looking at me like, what well, this Chinese woman are that confident. And then, uh, oh, how soon they can? I say, he actually can just start 
right now as you speak. He said, what? I said, I have him downstairs. Uh, you know, New York is all the high rise. I have him downstairs waiting. If you want to see him, he's right away. And it happened to that position, they just one person left. So though it's really devastated to have someone right away. So I have to say, I negotiate myself in as a small IT consulting firm. And also I was so lucky and I trained my consulting well. So we got the job one shot, one deal. That's a great story. Wow. <laughs> You're probably looking at you like, she's got some nerve. I yes. love it. So we, we did our homework. I did my homework well. Yes. Yes. You. <laughs> you talk about that a lot, actually, Roz. Is I hear you talk about doing your homework and being prepared, overly Correct. prepared. Yes. Correct. How about you, Shamala? What do you have a story where you negotiated for yourself? I do. And this was around flexibility. Um, just so everyone knows, I have four kids. Um, and so I've had to juggle lots of things in my life. Um, but this was um, when I had my first child. I lived in South Carolina. I worked for Sunoco uh, Products Company, and that was um, 45 to a minute to an hour drive from my house. Um, the reason I we chose to live in that particular small town that we lived in is because my husband was commuting the opposite direction. So we each had, you know, um, a different way to go. Um, so I have my first kid. My neighbor and I decide to split a nanny. Her son was maybe a year older. So, but, you know, what I had to do was negotiate. We were kind of, we didn't have a lot of options for childcare. We were in a small town. This nanny had certain hours she could work. And I had to negotiate a reduced schedule, which was not that reduced. It was, this is in 1996. It was from 40 hours to 35 hours. Okay. But it was unheard of. It was, it, people didn't negotiate back then, right? At, at least at my company. And so, um, but my boss, I had a great relationship with him. He knew my work. He knew I could still do everything in the 35 hours, right? Um, and um, he went to HR and they, you know, I think they were worried about setting a precedent but they also knew that they wanted to keep me and they made this exception. But I, um, you know, it was based on sort of, you know, my, my, you know, record, just what I had done, my accomplishments at work, um, my relationships. And, um, and they knew that, you know, they were, I was still going to be able to perform my duties. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you just have to think out of the box and I really, you know, had to come up with some kind of a solution. Yeah. And one of the things that when we talk about alternate schedules is that it's not just about getting what you need. It's what's good for you, what's good for the company yes. and what's good for the customer. So you have to meet those three prongs many times to be able to make that work. And so that was really that's pretty uh, amazing. In 1996, you were yes. talking about this because that's pretty early. It's very uh, early because yeah. it was before everyone had laptops working from home with an internet connection. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No T lines installed at home no. at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, you know, Raj, you do deals all day long. You, you've done all kinds of deals you put together. When you're putting together a new company or when you're merging, you have to negotiate all kinds of terms. Can you yes. share an example of where you had a like a large deal that you had to go through 
And like, what are some examples of things you negotiated when you're maybe putting together such a big deal? Okay, I would like to go with uh, when we talk about negotiation, there were some of the technique uh, that I, I think is a base ground that's uh, where we think about negotiation. So number one, I would say that, you know, we, like I say, we want to know what we're getting into. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand uh, the negotiation dynamic. What is this? I'm going to walk in into the room. What it is? So number one, you need to know and estimate the uncertainty before going in there. And uh, so the second thing is that we need to have a strategy. Sometimes it's not surprising you that you prepare four or five days, but when you're walking in the room, the circumstance totally different. The, the people that you're going to meet with is totally different, right? So number three, actually this is my weak point, is that small difference when you like sense small difference you need to start to adjust your strategy uh not wait until the big thing escalate which is something that i lost a huge deal because of that i keep talking i keep go with my my number two or number three i forgot about people's face changing people shaking hand and that so we need to learn to adapt when it's things about small difference you need to nip it before it escalate Okay, number four is every time I go to get my job done for my clients or in business or even personal, in my mind, always thinking I want to maximize the value when I walk out of the door. So we are maximize the value for ourselves or for our company. So the last thing is in behind the screen, then we need to look at, look, look at ourselves, you know, kind of like look at, you know, what's my habit, the way that how do I might approach. If I do a little bit of mirror myself then i'm sure next deal next time when i walk into the ballroom is different so there's example so this company is in san diego so 2014 there are clinical trial third uh, clinical trial already is a liver disease drugs is for fatty liver they have been uh, trying to raise capital in the united states and not successful but they are so confident, they feel that we're already clinical trial uh, three. We have over 900 patients use their drugs, you know, uh, investors should be able to invest in them. Long story, they have not, they had not. So um, so when they came to me, uh, what is your strategy, Ross? I say, you know, you need to look at where is the fatty liver uh, disease uh, patient the most. So China is one pop up and of course, Africa as well. So I don't know Africa. So I say, you know, uh, my, so anyway, my strategy for them is utilize because there's a market need in China. They were going that way. This is the, this is the drugs for fatty liver. And then, uh, so I took the projects to make from government to lab actually in Wuhan and then our university. So long story short, at the time, I actually, my strategy for them is joint venture. So it took me a long time. These are cultural education now because these are American company and then how the heck they're going to cross the border. At the end of the day, final day, sitting on the boardroom, try to negotiate the term, but everybody already know the term before they walk in. Mm -hmm. So San Diego company is company A, China company, company B. For A and B to merge and joint venture a company C. So what does that mean is for the A and B, they overnight, they own two companies, A and C, B and C, right? So they have to realize they actually not lose something, they gain something as a number one they gain is a C together. 
So uh, U.S. company, according to at that time, the, the government's policy in China, greater China, actually China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, is that if you do joint venture, uh, China-sized company has to be owned 51%. Any of the foreign com uh, companies is 49% and less. And immediately the, the CEO couldn't take it. It's my invention, it's my this, it's my this, it's my this. But he, he, he didn't, he, he forgot once the joint venture finished, China's under the burden to continue the research. They have to put in money, they have to put in the labor, they have to put in all that and then go IPO, right? So long story. So when a negotiation like that, I'm as the consultant in the middle, I not only have to educate both sides, but also need to, I'm representing US, I need to negotiate the best deal for them. So the win-win situation is that, yeah, China own 51%, US 49%, but US earn two voting seats, which is big time, meaning that if anything's happening, US has a two voting seat. And the third thing is that they had an option that if US company want to set up a lab in China, uh, China side has to be a part of a deal, like as an investor, so kind of secure a win-win. So from this uh, deal, it's also I use it as my case in my uh, entrepreneurship uh, uh, course is that um, when we do business cross-border, multicultural, the negotiation could be so uncertain because mm -hmm. people can come in, in this politics and all those are coming in. But at the end of the day, we need to focus what is the best. They will want the best value, want to get out of that. So, so I hope that this is a little bit of a a tool case <laughs> that I had done for my clients. <laughs> well, I love that because basically this is a case study of don't forget what's the main thing, yep. right? Why the why are we doing this? And like if you take the eye off that why, then it's easy to get lost yep. in all the details. So um, Roz, that's incredible because you're not only negotiating the financial side of it, but the cultural acumen piece, mm -hmm. that's even probably more sensitive. And then the Absolutely. political landscape between the two yes. countries, right? That's got to be huge. So what a what an incredible like leadership lesson and uh, like a master's class almost. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a great case. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Pamela, what about you? What do you what experience have you had just with anything like large in terms of the business part of it and negotiating? Because I know you've had to start a whole new department uh, in your role. <laughs> Yeah. Well, just coming to echo, right. And sort of, um, I, I mean, there's negotiation in everything, right. Because there were initiatives and people involved in various pieces of DEI, mm -hmm. right. We had some employee resource groups. We had, um, a group that was negotiating to try to get some recognition for like diversity days and just different, different aspects. But I had to come in and really negotiate with everybody kind of there to create sort of some structure. And, and that takes really trying to, you know, sometimes negotiation is about selling as well. Because <laughs> you've got to sell your idea and kind of showcase that it is a win-win for everyone. Right? For the people that, are the, you know, for the people that are involved and that, you, you know, you need their help. 
um, for the company itself and, um, you know, and just for DEI in general. Mm-hmm. And so just coming in, negotiating, you know, sort of how we were going to um, sort of create the framework, how we were going to set up the governance structure, it took numerous conversations with numerous people in numerous levels to get that going. But, um, you know, you, you just have to start to you kind of know what, you know, what you need to do, why we're doing it. And we got to get, like you said, we got to get everybody on that why. Why are we trying to work on this? And I think that's that's what it is. It, it, there was a lot of negotiation. I think in the end, um, it kind of worked out where we ended up with something that kind of made sense mm-hmm. for, you know, all of those involved. So it's a different thing. It's not like I'm going, you know, cross border or anything like that. But, um, but Roz, I know what you mean because I did teach a class on international management. And there was a whole section on cross um, cultural negotiation. So it totally, it, it, it can really be challenging. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, you know, I always, uh, To me, negotiating with others is one thing, but negotiating with yourself, whether it's for your time, for self-care, for what. So I've heard all kinds of wonderful, awesome techniques and things with negotiating with people outside. I want to know what you do for yourself on the inside when you're negotiating with yourself. Tell me, how does that sound? Not easy. <laughs> Tell me more. Why is it oh not easy for us? Why? Why? <laughs> well, I was I was already totally ready to retire actually in 2017, and then uh, 2018 that I picked up the the uh, mental health. Certainly, I lost uh, my childhood girlfriend to depression, and she was a chairman of a large large software company in Australia. And at that time, I really kind of, I, I look at it as a negotiation with myself because at that time, 2017, both my children are uh, one in university, one graduated. It's really a great time for me to really enjoy life. And I plan into that. And uh, so I got onto this as I, I really, I, at the beginning, it's so hard that I think, but I, uh, 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 what is that? Athena Music Wellness really took my, really become like a full time working on it, you know, like a new startup. So my kids didn't understand. Uh, actually, is, uh, my son actually said, What the heck is that? You're like, work so hard and now you can totally just go travel and do that. And so at, at sometimes it's really struggling. I sometimes I forgot about eating lunch or dinner, just like, you know, startup. It just have to do everything with my team together. So so this year's, uh, I have a. Uh, then I had a, a health uh, scare, uh, 2022, and it's really the time for me to step down. Uh, but every single time when I turn around about mental health and I turn around, because uh, uh, I deal with uh, some of the companies uh, for the C suites, uh, mental well being, and then uh, then I, you know, I started to talk to them. But you know, when you talk, it's hours and zoom and finish another one, another one. It's just hard. So the negotiation is, I don't think I win yet. Uh, each time I always give up and then just get rolling into my work. 
and um, so 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 July four that was so the whole month I just took off. I went to went back to my loot California and by the beach and all that. The end of the day, I think we still have to really tell ourselves that how important is our health and our health is also important to my family. So actually, it's my inspiration is that. I have to bite my tongue and take some time off. <laughs> so the negotiation process is hard and always give up, always go to work. And by the end of the day, I'm a little bit scared now. So kind of like, okay, no, I gotta take care of my own health. <laughs> no, so. that, that totally resonates for me. That totally mm -hmm. resonates because you feel for a long time, you feel kind of invincible. Like you can do anything, you can you know, do it all. You, yeah, I don't need sleep. You know, like, what's the big deal? I got this. And now you're going, oh, no, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I need sleep. I need water. You know, like I need, you know, I need food. Uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. I just was curious, though, how you walk yourself through that because it's so easy just to say, yeah, it's all right. I don't need lunch. That's fine. I can just keep going. I guess, you know, our... I kind of count myself counting in, you know, so because I'm on the entrepreneur different than John Miller, which is yeah. logical, right? Yeah. So that kind of get a little bit platform and the cushion. Yeah. Us yeah. as a as a uh, 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 entrepreneur and startup, although we're four years down, I'm responsible for my team. Right. I'm responsible for my board. And right. then so that is the I think it's a triple harder for us to make a turnaround. And actually, I will tell you the truth. This time, I actually very honest to my board. I host a board meeting June 3rd. I tell them the truth. I listen, if continue like this, I will burn out my candle just like that. So either you guys let me some time to, to rest or we have another co-CEO. Also, I kind of like, this is the breaking point that I really lay out because before I hold it up, you know, I'm always a superwoman. I can do this and that. It's at the time that I let my board know and let my team know. And it's, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like this way, like that. So anyhow, so I think to answer your question, it, it's never a, but for me, this time is I actually let, let everybody know. Hey, This I'm was sorry. serious. This serious. was serious. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Sharmila, how do you negotiate with yourself? This is probably the, the deepest question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I and, you know, I mean, it is very easy to get stressed, uh, you know, and around work and, you know, what you're doing on a daily basis. Um, but I also I'm a planner and I plan in quality time with friends and family because that relieves my stress. That gives me the time to relax um, I garden, you know, I have a lot of hobbies and I do try to fit them in when I can. Um, it's been helpful when, you know, we don't have to commute every day with in this hybrid work environment has been, that's been really helpful. Um, so I think that I've also gotten into, and I've just created my vision board for sort of my, my future right? Because it encompasses a lot, like in terms of my career, in terms of what I want to do to just grow myself, what I want to, you know, so I have lots of different buckets 
And I have a lot of things in those. So if I can continuously look at that, that can motivate me. And those are little goals that I can, you know, or big goals that I can take small steps towards. But it keeps me grounded in, you know, that there's a lot of things I want to accomplish. Yeah, I love that. I haven't done a vision board in years, but it's almost like dual purpose. Like, yes, you get a vision, but it's kind of relaxing to do yeah. it that way. As long as you're not trying to do a goal while you're doing your no, it's just like these are big aspirational things. But if you move in those steps, you feel really good about yourself. Right? Absolutely. I mean, for me, health is definitely, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I, you know, I ended up with diabetes like towards the end of my time with State Farm. But I think um, I, I realize that I have to make conscious choices. Yeah. I have got yeah. to make conscious. I can't just let stuff go like I used to, you know, I've got to stop on purpose and go upstairs and eat. I've got to stop and I've got to take a break and go for a walk. I didn't do those things in the past. So I think that that's huge. Plus, you know, in corporate America, I, I think 95% of my time was work and I squeezed in everything else into 5%. And now I think now that I have a personal life, I'm getting married. Shamala, I didn't think you knew that. Congratulations. But uh, no, I think that having a whole life, you know, as I talk about with Kapa, I can't talk about having a whole life if I'm not living a whole life and uh, as a whole person leader. And so I think that's part of what I learned is that it takes effort to live a whole person life. Yes. yes. It takes effort. Yeah. So one of the things too, that I was really curious about is, have you, can you share with the group, you know, situation where you, maybe you ran into like a big hurdle, you know, maybe whether it's for your career and you were trying to do something, you knew it was the right thing to do, but you ran into like some type of a hurdle. How did you deal with it? And what was the result of that? Because not everything goes smoothly in our lives. So who wants to take that on first? Just any hurdle or any, you know, anything you ran into? Personal or professional? It could be either. I, I can tell you personally because I am, uh, so I have four kids. Um, I got divorced when they were younger. And that was a big hurdle for me in a lot of ways, right? Um career-wise, and also just being a single mom for most of the time um, during the week. And so um, I had to get creative about my career. I knew it was going to be hard to work in corporate at that time and travel. with. I have no family near me. So, you know, part of it is, you know, just you have to be I, I am a glass half full person. I am always trying to see what the positive side is to all of this. And so, you know, I continued to work, but I did my own, you know, like consulting or, you know, just things where I could manage. That's when I taught, you know, I would taught international management, you know, things of that that kept me going. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I had to... Um, you just have to show some resilience. You have to, I think that's the key. And, you know, when one door closes, I mean, you know, at some point another door is going to open um, and you just have to keep walking down that hall and knocking upon a few doors. And I think at one some point 
that, you know, one of the doors will open. And that just kind of brought me back into sort of that whole corporate sector going into McDonald's and, you know, utilizing a lot of what I had in, you know, in terms of my expertise um, and bringing it and moving forward. I'm tired when you said, when you said four kids, I'm like, I'm, I'm already tired. <laughs> they were a lot younger. So I don't know. I don't even know how you did it. Like, when do you sleep? I'm just saying. I sleep now because my youngest is now going to college. This oh morning. my gosh. Congratulations. Wow, congratulations. Congratulations. That's incredible. They're all great. They all have wonderful careers or college, you know, um, plans. And so they're all, well, they have a role model, so that's that's helpful. Absolutely, that's awesome. Roz, awesome. tell us uh, your you know situation where you hit a hurdle. Well, uh, I have a lot of friends uh, older than me, younger than me. I get along with everybody very well. I think, and then uh, those that know me well, I'm like, my vision is always this: if I set my mind on something, I gotta get do it i can't sometimes very hard for me to turn around okay and then and then this called tunnel vision so another thing is that i when i left china i'm really chinese but then i my the way that i train i grow up i'm american and then um so when i do cross-border business i have to deal back with china's a lot of uh company and all that which the cultural not necessary i I adapted to or I like. So long story short, there is all this association, association, association. So uh, when people see my company, oh, you know, we want to do business with you. I hate to mingle in that way. I like to go in there and get business done and out of it. So this time I carry for a company. They, they want to a blockchain technology company. They want to raise capital in Hong Kong. So then I got introduced to Hong Kong Association, San Francisco. We're talking about these are some 70, 80 years old, older gentlemen. They came to America when it was like San Francisco was like, you know, the, the old day. And I prepare myself very well. I want to make sure because kind of like need to get the blessing and they also have funding. They will get our projects to Hong Kong. Long story. When I went over there, the minute Okay, so this is the lesson. Young entrepreneur, I want everybody listening to it. Prepare yourself for the negotiation dynamic before you go. So I went in there at downtown San Francisco and then this association, just nothing but the little, kind of like it looks from outside like nothing. So immediately my guard is like, huh, it's easy. The thing is when I go in there, they sit on the chair like very low, doesn't even at a regular table. And then anyway, seeing a little chair, kind of, I want to see how this girl bring in hot shot bring back. I wear a skirt. So I have to sit down there. I already like super mad. I think the temperature 120 degree internal already. So anyhow, I listen. They started to give you tea and talk about history. And I said, come on, I want to talk about the project. And next month I go into Hong Kong, I bring the project Hong Kong. So I will be waiting. Anyway, long story. So at the end of the day, uh, my client is American. It's a company over 150 million. So they're sitting there like me. We're like sweating and they're still talking tea and all that. We left uh, without, remember, walk out of negotiation, maximum value, which is I walk out without any value. But out of it, they don't understand me. I don't understand them. My client said, what the heck? You, we flew into San Francisco for this. 
So I call uh, my, my associates, why they treat me this? What is the reason they do me? I am ready to go to Hong Kong. I need to get their blessing because the Hong Kong guys say, if San Francisco say, okay, we give you money. So the reason was one of the old guy, which is the associate's uh, uh, vice president, she doesn't know anything Chinese culture. And why would we invest in a company like that? So because of the way that I did not do my homework well, I didn't go in there with un uncertainty and I prepared to facing it well. My client lost that possibility to deal with them and in Hong Kong. But anyway, at the end, we turn around from Singapore, get some money. So that is the, I, I feel that is a loss. And to me, it's a lesson also in, including in my, in my curriculum is that don't too much hire, hire, well, how do I say? Thought of yourself that you definitely nailed them down. Uh-uh. Sometimes we need the, um, the approach of negotiation, right? The approach of negotiation. So I lost the, I still as of today, I still don't have a good relationship with them. End of the day. <laughs> but that, what a great lessons learned. I mean, oh. that is so incredibly valuable what you learned. And, uh, I'm just imagining you all sitting there in a sweatshop at 120 degrees and you're sitting both sitting there like what's See, that the heck? Yeah. what the heck is going on? That is unbelievable. But thank you for sharing that because that's a great example of it doesn't matter. You know, it could be any number of reason and it has nothing to do with logic, everyone. Nothing to do with logic. It's not about the fact that there was a fantastic deal. It's the fact that they're like, oh, she doesn't know us. That's it. She doesn't know us. And uh, and she didn't try to know us. So, no. <laughs> like, that just, oh it's my God. So... And, and yeah. yeah, at that time, we didn't click. I wouldn't yeah. click in the middle of the meetings. Like, okay, yes. my God, I need to change. But, so, anyway, so entrepreneurs, everybody need to listen. I mean, remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, believe it or not, we're already at time. But I'm going to give each of you 10 seconds to tell one thing that the audience do to upskill their negotiation skills. So, Raz, go. Uh, uh, evaluate the dynamic of what and uh, the situation that you're going into. That's super important. So, it's prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah. Yes. And prepare the approach is what yes. I heard you say. Yes. Huge. <laughs> Shamala. Okay, real quickly, I wouldn't um, go in thinking you're just going to play hardball. I would get creative and figure out what are those um, solutions. How can you think outside of the box to make things a win-win for both? Absolutely. And I'm going to say read the room. Yes. yes. And uh, make sure that you kind of, you know, when I first thing, when I go into a meeting of any kind, I always assess every person in that room. And by the way, if there's one person of color in there, I will nod to them. So that's just one of those things. I always scan the room for what's going on and I pay attention to where people sit. Oh, yes. So anyway, all right. With that, you guys, I hope you enjoyed our segment tonight. I mean, come on. Roz and Sharmila, aren't they incredible? <laughs> incredible leaders, incredible humans. And I so appreciate your friendship and thanks for sharing your time with us tonight. And with that, happy, Moana, happy Come on back out.
Ladies, thank you so much. Um, that was such wonderful advice. I think that end one, like it's not always about the logic. I think, at least for me, someone who's logic driven, I'm like, why isn't this working? You know, <laughs> sometimes it is. Yeah, it's it's the. It, I think it goes back to like the relationships and like the things that you know about the people who are across the room. So yeah, um, definitely on point um, with your stories. It's always so interesting to hear you know um the experiences uh of folks in different um spaces and um you know there's always lessons that can be applied um no matter where you are so thank you suan and thank you sharmila and raz for being a part of our community now um and we extend our um our welcome and our invite um to come back and and, and join us again or engage with our our audience members, um, and it's always a pleasure to have all of you. So um, with that said, I want to make sure we respect everybody's time because as we've talked about, it is so um, precious. So I just want to thank our listeners, those in the audience. Um, thank you so much for being a part of this. If you enjoyed the show, please like, share, subscribe to our channel. Help us grow, help us get the message out um, because there's always something to learn um, here uh, with all of us. So thank you all so much. Please tune in next week at 7 and 8.30 p.m. for yet another wonderful episode um, of the Moana Nui podcast. Next week, we will be having, we'll, we're going to start our Native Hawaiian um, Spotlight series and we'll be, we'll be talking about some of our continental partners doing work for the Native Hawaiian community uh, here on the continent. So please join us for that. And we should uh, give a shout out to Papa Ola Lokahi for their sponsorship um, to help us enable that series. So with that said, ladies, thank you guys so much. I hope you all have a wonderful thank evening. You. Take care and we'll see you all soon. Thank, thank you bye. very much for having us. So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If he won't tell it, we will If this the land of the free was a freedom then When they annexed Hawaii and called it see the lands Without any type of payment and no signing off Called themselves the Republic in 1894 1.2 million acres overtaken from the native Hawaiians When they resisted, the West retaliated in violence and erasure The Hawaiian language is banned As part of colonialism's plan to expand, yeah Stuck between a rock and a hard place Multiple bombings of Kohola Bay As a part of their ongoing war with Asia Used it as a place for target practice No consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation No work for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will so if we put Hawaii in a perspective, well, black and Asian history is interconnected. Considering the fight with the Pacific, then 
and of course versus Asia they was treated as a middleman for war but they didn't let the western colorism run its course cause dark skin was a sign of dignity to core the land was taken in the name of capitalism when prior to it was an actual kingdom clap back at the system stuck between a rock and a hard place multiple bombings of Koholave as a part of their ongoing war with Asia used it as a place for target practice no consent or compensation Colonizers call for annexation Network out for all the locals School will never let you know So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If we won't tell it, we will So many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf if he won't tell it, we will Too many stories left to tell Even if we have to ourselves Can't keep history on the shelf If he won't tell it, we will He will